4, Philippians 4, 1 through 9. There's a Bible in front of you. You can grab it. You can use it. You can take it home. You can do whatever you want with it. You can give it to a friend. Um, I'd, I, lo- I would love it if you'd have it in front of you. And if, if you would stand for the reading of God's word as we, as we move into this passage. I was going to just do Philippians chapter uh, 4, verse 1, just one verse, but then I realized that there's just there's too much there, and so we're going to go through 9, 4, 1 through 9. Let me read it for us. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Senteki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. This is the reading of God's word. Seated. Let me pray for us. Father, as we pray each week, a very simple prayer uh, what we know not, would you teach us? What we have not, would you give us? And what we are not, would you make us all for your glory? Amen. So, just for some quick reference here, just to kind of give us some context, because context is good. Um, let me just give us a little refresher, just a brief refresher as to where we're at and, and what this letter is all about. Around the year 5051, uh, Paul took Silas um, and Timothy to set out on a missionary journey. It would be Paul's second missionary journey. And Paul was actually headed, he, he, he initially was headed out to retrace his uh, first journey with Timothy and Silas when the Holy Spirit moved, moved them to not go back to Ephesus. <clears throat> it appears as though the Holy Spirit was sort of leading them to, to more unevangelized locations. And so, so they were, you know, in tune with the Holy Spirit and they wanted to, to do what the Lord was leading them to do. And so they, they, they were humbly open to suggestions, we'll say. So 
they heed this direction from the Holy Spirit and they start heading north instead to Bithynia. But the Holy Spirit <clears throat> again checked them and was like, that, that's, not, that's not it either. And so finally they moved towards Troas and what was called the mouth of the Dardanelles Straits, um, which, is the, which is the gateway to Europe. <clears throat> uh, Luke joined them <clears throat> and in doing so, um, like a pretty powerful evangelistic team, if you will, was put together uh, to go evangelize Europe for the first time. <clears throat> Paul had a vision of, of a man standing in front of him <clears throat> from Macedonia who was calling him to, to come there to, to him. And so they, they crossed to Neapolis and they walked nine miles along the Ignatian Way to Philippi. That's how they ended up in Philippi. And again, for the first time, Christians were, were on the ground um, about to bring the message of the gospel into to Europe. Okay? And so that's, that's the kind of the story of the, of the founding of, of Philippi and how, how they got there. Now, at this point, <clears throat> when Paul's writing this letter, though, uh, he is, he's, still, he's still in some form of detention in, in Rome, and so his approach to the Philippians is, is, is going to be fairly short. Um, it's really just going to encourage them. He's not addressing any major uh, sin or significant issue that they were enduring. And so he just wants to encourage them in the Lord. And he, he does drop in a few exhortations, but it's, it's not like anything massive like he would be addressing to the Corinthians. or And... In short, it's this message of like, count it all joy, brothers, Christ Church. Count it all joy, all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the hard things, the, the wonderful times, count it all joy. <clears throat> and as we move into his fourth and final chapter, he, he begins to sort of wind up his words by, by telling them to, to stand firm in the Lord to stand firm in the Lord. And so let's just kind of move through these verses together. Uh, the Greek word uh, for stand firm is uh, steko. Uh, this word can be translated into English as stand firm, stand fast, persevere. We see it in Galatians 5.1. Uh, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So in other words, don't revert back to like the law. Stand firm. Second Thessalonians, <clears throat> excuse me, let me get this out of my throat. Second Thessalonians 2.15, so then brothers stand firm and hold to the traditions that you are taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letter. And then in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 as well, be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men, be strong, is his encouragement to the men in Corinth. And I want us to notice something here. You, you, could, read, you could read this on the surface as, this, like, as sort of being forceful. Would you agree? Like, you can hear the voice, like this kind of machismo, like stand firm, you know. Um, st stand your opinions, stand your 
stand your convictions, uh, stand on your maybe political or your ideological ideas, like stand firm. But that's not what Paul says. Paul is simply imploring the Christians, like, listen, Christian in Philippi, um, it will all fall out from underneath you Seriously, all of it will fall out from underneath you. So stand firm in the Lord, the only ground worth standing on. Right? Everything else is up for grabs. The one thing that is not up for grabs is the, the, the firm foundation that is the Lord. Um, I've heard it more in the last three years, I feel like, and you probably would concur, that like, it just feels like the world's falling apart. Would you agree? It's like, after COVID hit, it was just like, it's all falling apart. And whether it's any different than it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 300 years ago or 3,000 years ago, what we do believe as Christians is that no one other than Jesus can hold it all together. And so stand firm in the Lord. Rely on the Lord. Depend on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. What does it mean to be in the Lord is the real question. First, I think we need to understand it as like a statement of, of position. I want you to see it this way. It's a description of location, right? In the Lord. So I could say um, like, where is my Lucy right now? Lucy is in Sunday school, okay? It's a statement of location, so to stand firm in the Lord is a Christian's location. It's a Christian's preferred location. It's where you want to be. You want, your location wants to be in the Lord. And it should be in the Lord, is what Paul is trying to communicate. He is speaking of a, Christian, a Christian's ideal location. So, therefore, your, your preferred or ideal location is not in popularity. It's not in your successes. It's not in your monies or your, your friendships or your education. Those are good gifts. But if you try to stand on them, they'll eventually drop out from underneath you. So stand on and in the Lord. Make sense? Now what follows is some really practical stuff that helps us go, okay, so what does that look like? What does that mean for us? And Paul sort of gives these, like, a number of commands. He gives some instruction here as a sort of explanation on standing firm, and I'd like to see them in, in three groupings. The first we're going to call community, so stand firm together, okay? Stand firm together in the Lord, community. Uh, the second is discipline, and I'll explain discipline. That's like, it can be a bit of a confusing word if, if not given proper context, but we're going to use it because I'll give it context. Stand firm in discipline. Um, and then the third grouping would be just like the, the posture that you have as you stand firm in the Lord. Standing firm in the peace of God is, is, is the end, right? Verse, uh, verses eight and nine. So firstly, community are standing firm with others. Standing firm with others. We, we say this all the time. Like, there's a, there's a reason you showed up this morning. 
There's a reason why I showed up, because it's my job. But if it wasn't, I would still be here. There, there are other more significant reasons that I would show up as well. Um, and I hope it's for two reasons. One, we, we say this often, like we, we really seek to be a church that when you come into this place and into this space, that primarily your gaze shifts upwards, right? That we want it to be more of a, like your, your first goal and objective when you walk into this place is vertical, not horizontal, okay? That you would meet with God through song and through scripture. And then a, a close second and intrinsically connected to that would be um, that you would meet with others, other believers through the sharing of community. And when we do, there's a bit of a template as to what it should look like when we gather together with other believers. Paul addresses these, these two women, Yodia and Synteche, and he calls them to agree in the Lord. Um, like, we don't know the details, but news of their falling out um, had somehow reached him in Rome, likely through Epaphroditus, who came to Rome to to give him some news and some encouragement and some, some provisions and some money. Um, we don't know the details, but it must have been fairly significant for the Apostle Paul to call these two women out in this letter. Would you agree? Like, that's, think about that. That's, that's pretty wild that he would choose these two to, to name, for them to agree in the Lord. And he calls them to to not only stand firm in the Lord, but, all, but also in like whatever issue you two women have, you, you need to agree in the Lord. You need to stop it. And you need to agree in the Lord is really what he's saying here. Years ago, Sarah and I did, uh, we did some, some, some triage uh, post-marital counseling for, for a, a, a couple uh, who were just having a really hard time in their marriage. And so we invited them into our home for uh, like months. Uh, it was probably six months of meetings. And uh, we, would, we said, we're just gonna, we're gonna meet once a week in our home. I think it was a Wednesday night. At the same time, you're gonna be here and save your fighting. You can fight in front of us. You can beef it out and we'll just kind of help you figure things out and and. It was so healing and so beautiful and so wonderful in so many ways. And we, we finally got to this place um, where we felt like we could just have dinner and just kind of celebrate the progress. And so we, we went to a meal and we sat down at the meal and Sarah and I ordered appetizers and they got there and they're like, we're done. And we're all like, can we take the appetizers back, please? It, it was this moment of like, oh, no. And so they end up going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we, I looked at Sarah, I remember, at the, I was just at a loss. And I was like, I don't know. I was thinking to myself, I don't, we've, we've given them all the counsel and all the supports and all that we, that we have. And I just said, I, guys, I'm at a loss. I, all I could say is this, just two words, stop it. Just stop it. And they were like, what do you mean, just stop it? Just stop it. 
Stop the self-serving. Stop the self-seeking. Stop the he did this or she did that. Just stop it. Just stop it. And I'm thinking about writing a book called Stop It. Um, It worked. What really worked was the power of the Holy Spirit. But they're together today. Um, And I think sometimes, like the Apostle Paul here, he doesn't go on and on and on and on and on about what these women need to do. He just simply says, agree in the Lord. Stop it. That's what standing firm together looks like sometimes. It just means agreeing in the Lord, having unity, putting everything else aside and just agree in the Lord. Like Paul addressing an issue within the Philippian community, he doesn't give them the option also, you'll notice, to duck out or to part ways, does he? He just says, hey, you two, agree in the Lord, moving on. The phrase, agree in the Lord, is phreneo, which means to be of the same mind, to have the same mindset in the Lord. That is the basis for our agreement, it's the basis for our unity. It's, the, it's, it's our relationship with Jesus. That's the basis for all of it. It's our common identity as those who belong to the Lord, our union with Christ and with each other. Standing firm in the Lord in community or with others should also have an element of rejoicing, the Apostle Paul goes on. Rejoice uh, that you not only have the Lord to stand in, but also that you have others to stand with. So rejoice not only that you have the Lord to stand in and stand on, but also that you have others to stand with. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. He repeats the command. He he makes it an all-inclusive that we are to rejoice in the Lord all the time, always, in all circumstances. He's already actually made this same command in chapter 3, verse 1, where he says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Now he reminds them once again to rejoice in the Lord. And so as we, as we stand firm in the Lord with others, we do so also with, with, we agree, we rejoice, and we do so with reasonableness or gentleness is another word that the Apostle Paul would use. Be gentle to all. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. And so as we stand firm in the Lord, we do so, we, we do so by agreeing in unity. We do so rejoicing, and we do so with gentleness. It's a call of a kind of disposition in our hearts, in our attitudes that we have towards each other. And so that's kind of what we see in how we are to agree in the Lord, I'm sorry, stand firm in the Lord as we do so together. Um, Secondly, standing firm in the Lord in discipline. What do we mean by in discipline? Um, And this is is what I would say. We, We stand firm as we observe or practice what you might think of as spiritual disciplines. Um, we think about disciplines and we might think about sort of like white knuckling 
um, our way through something that is, that is, that is hard or not great. Um, and so maybe it's more helpful to think of these practices, these spiritual disciplines, as things that we do that help us to connect with the Lord, which is by f- it's so far from white knuckling. Rather, these things, these disciplines, have the potential to exponentially increase my joy in him. And Paul offers up what, what these things are. To stand firm, pray. Pray your, your fears, pray your worries, pray your anxieties, pray your concerns. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How do you stand firm? You pray. You pray. This is one of the most comprehensive verses on prayer in all of Paul's writings. He uses four different terms to describe the full spectrum of prayer in the life of a Christian. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and request. I think of uh, the words of the hymn, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The second practice is in verse 8. And you might say this is the discipline. If you want to stand firm in the Lord, you pray. And then this is the discipline of taking your thoughts captive. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, those are all good things. I always say this. I'm like, man, even if you don't believe in the entirety of the macro narrative of, of Protestant theology, it's just a really, really good way to live your life. Think about whatever is true and just and pure and lovely and commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Which in turn, it also means that you don't think about certain things. Don't give them the time of day. Standing firm in the Lord means you have power to control much of what you pay attention to, much of what you dwell on. Lastly, as you are standing firm in the Lord, practice the things that you already know to be right and to be true. Look at verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen, I, I'm a person who I like, synonym, I like synonyms and I need, like, I need the repetition, right? You probably hear it in my preaching sometimes. And I love how he just like moves through this. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Essentially, Paul goes, the God of peace is with me because I have practiced these things. Therefore, imitate me. That's chapter 3. Imitate me in what you have learned and received and heard. Me do. Someone at the kids' swim meet uh, yesterday, our kids had swim conferences for their summer uh, league Yesterday morning, and, and one of the parents was asking about our year-round 
practice schedule because our kids, all, all three of them, swim year-round. And he asked Sarah and I, like, so how many, how many days a, a week do your kids practice for Parkway? And we just were kind of going through each of our kids and, and explaining, you know, their swim schedule multiple days a week, right? To be honest, I think we complicate what we know to be oh so basic. Practice makes you better. It makes you stronger. It makes you more equipped. It's very basic logic, right? As we're explaining to this, he's like, yeah, it makes total sense. There's a reason that they're pretty, pretty good swimmers because they, they swim multiple days a week year-round. We just simply have a really hard time applying because Satan hates it when you do this, applying that to our relationship with Jesus most of the time. I heard Matt Chandler years ago at a conference in Minneapolis that I was at at a Desiring God conference say um, the greatest growth we experience as Christians is practicing, happens when we practice what we already know to be true, not simply desiring to hear more of it. Right? That's when you experience real growth. You don't experience, as an example, growth in your evangelism by simply going to more evangelism classes. You already know what to tell, what to evangelize. Go tell it. And when you do, you will grow exponentially. It's powerful. And so we stand firm in the Lord by practicing the things that we already know to be true. Lastly, Paul offers up a posture that we should have as we stand firm in the Lord. And he simply says, stand firm in the peace of God. In the peace of God. So this is our disposition as we're standing firm. It, it's a disposition of, of, of rest. Sort of, of of ease and of peace. It, it is... Especially kids, I want you to I want you to hear this. Um, if if you're new to Jesus, or one of the one of the really important things you need to to know about Jesus is that he he offers he he says things like, um, "I come to give you rest," and that like my yoke is easy. Um, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Um, being in the Lord is a gift fundamentally because it gives your soul and your mind and your life the peace and the rest that you, that you so badly need. And following Jesus should not feel tense and frantic and like you need to be working to prove yourself to him or to gain somehow more of his love, it, it, it couldn't be more whole and perfect the way it is for you. And so standing firm in the peace of God needs to be your posture. It's in his peace. In verse 7, again, we read, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We, we go to Michigan every year. That's where we were for our vacation. And 
there are kind of two ways to walk out onto water. There are docks and there are piers. And last summer, my daughters were on a dock and the dock collapsed. Now, thankfully, the dock was only like a foot off the water. Everybody was fine. But docks are maybe a little more rickety. Would you agree? Uh, You feel a little more unstable on docks. When you're on a pier, you feel sure and certain and stable and solid. That is the picture, the imagery that I see here. When, When you're standing firm in the Lord, you're not on a dock, you're on a pier. It's concrete and rock below you. It's solid. And it gives you an assurance and it gives you a peace. You can rest when you're on a pier. I love the way Spurgeon says it. He, he says it so well. He says, without Christ Jesus, this peace would not exist. Without Christ Jesus, this peace, even where it has existed, cannot be maintained. He goes on to say, daily visits from the Savior, continual lookings by the eye of faith to him that bled upon the cross, continual drawings from his ever-flowing fountain, make this peace broad and long and enduring. But take Christ Jesus, the channel of our peace, away, and it fades and it dies and it droops. The moment you're standing becomes anxious, wondering if you are doing enough, saying the right things, following God perfectly, you are no longer standing firm in the peace of God. You are trying to do it alone, and you will fry. You will burn right out. And so, Christian, receive the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that has been freely made available to each of us through the work of Christ. And so there it is. That's kind of the the blueprint here is, uh, you know, stand firm together, stand firm in discipline, stand firm in the peace of God. Again, not that we're looking for, for spiritual formulas, but this seems to be a pretty great way to live in the Lord. Would you agree? Yeah. You pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace, and for your love. We thank you that you have promised to give peace to your people, and that you have secured that peace for us through the blood of the cross. We thank you for being the firm foundation in our unsteady, uncertain, undone, and oftentimes unraveled lives. Would you give our souls rest this morning as we stand in you? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. You stand with me as we sing.